0: Also, in their strength. Jesus' name, amen. It's just a welcome, just a treat to have friends, the Porters, Charles and Tonya, and their family. They are celebrating also their anniversary this week. I think it's this week. And uh, 23 years, I believe. Blessings on you guys. Come on, Charles, and open your heart. We want to open it. Yeah, give them thanks, give them praise. Thank you. Years. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a, you know, the world's a very different place. Uh, I came to Minnesota a long time ago. I was an 18-year-old kid. I'd never been north of Mason-Dixon line except to fly through Chicago, which usually meant we got stuck in Chicago. Uh, I came to North Central and met a girl who was half Minnesotan, half North Carolina, and a whole lot of Africa. Um, Doug and Pat Bloop, obviously Pat Ware, grew up in the church in Aiken, but uh, this is how bad I was. When I came to Minnesota, I didn't know anything about fishing. The only fishing I'd ever done was worms in a creek, and we'd done that, and I always liked fishing, but I uh, came to Minnesota, and I saw all of these lakes, and I'm like, man, there's got to be a lot of fish in there, and so I'm working on construction uh, one summer with this guy, and I'm like, hey, you take me fishing, he's like, all right, you know. and he wasn't... He didn't have a whole lot of Jesus in his life. Let's just leave it that way, okay? So uh, we got out on the boat, and I started learning some words that I hadn't remembered since high school. And, you know, he's fishing. We're not catching anything. And it was my first time fishing with minnows. I'd never fished with live bait other than worms before and night crawlers. And so, you know, we're trying to hook on the minnows and all this kind of stuff. And he's getting frustrated, and he's dropping these words that shouldn't be said, and I won't repeat. And so he gets really frustrated, and he turns to me and he goes, Charles, dump the bait. Well, that's what I heard. What he said was, dunk the bait. So I figure he's just ticked off sick of it, so I picked up the minnows, threw them overboard, sat the bucket back in the thing, and we took off. He was so upset that he actually drugged the anchor around the lake. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> While we went along, we stopped. He's like, what the blinky blink? You know, he's doing all this. We stop. He's like, he's like, where's the minnows? I said, you told me to dump them. He said, I said, no, dunk the minnows. My friends, sometimes I think when it comes to the gospel, the Lord wanted to dunk us and we've dumped it. We've given up on the core message of the gospel that Jesus saves. And that's how I make my little silly Minnesota story a bit spiritual, okay? Well, good morning again. My name is Charles Porter. My wife and I have served for 20 years now as foreign missionaries. We began our career um, after September 11th in the Sudan. Then we moved to Kenya, worked on university campuses, and um, we, uh, then we went to Tanzania, so all on the eastern seaboard of Africa, where we served and planted an amazing church called The Ocean that's still continuing today um, under the leadership of Pastor Jimmy Abrams and the team there, and they're just going gangusters. Listen, my friends, there is not an American church. There isn't an African church. There's not a European church. There's only one church, the Church of Jesus Christ. And do not believe that just because what we see around us is what's God's story around the world. And don't believe that God's story is finished here yet either. I'll tell you some stories about that. But before we get going too far, I want to say a couple things. I'm going to introduce my family. But this morning I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'll read my scripture and then I'm going to give anybody here an opportunity to actually ask a few questions. Okay, so I'll give you a little kind of rundown of who we are and, you know, my bad fishing stories, but I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask questions because so often I've got a million things that I could tell you and you might not be interested, but with COVID we can't have the conversations back. I can't give out cards, so we're going to put up our follow thing here in just a few minutes so you can find us on social media with all this kind of stuff. It's just harder to do what we normally did, and so I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask me some questions. So let me just uh, introduce my family again. Tanya and I have been married 23 years today. We got married on the hottest day Minnesota has seen. I think it was like 102 degrees. And Pastor Gary, I had a, um, what do they call a frock coat? So it's a full, long, black tuxedo down to the knees. I was melting. And it was so hot. But we got married down the street, and we've... Um, So celebrating 23 years, I have my son Joshua. Joshua in the picture is the young man in the wheelchair. Joshua's adopted from Kenya. Next week or in about a week and a half, he turns 17. The wheelchair is because he's battling muscular dystrophy. He's doing great. and. if you could behind the mask, you could see a great smile. Uh, the young lady that I've got my arm around there, who I don't recognize anymore, because she used to be my little baby girl, and she ran. And when Alana ran, she ran this way. She—I don't know if you can see this online, but she never ran like this. She put her head down, her arms back, and tried to take off like an airplane. <laughs> that was how Alana ran, and that's how she treats life. She's an artist. She draws. She does little projects, and then Riley, Riley, my little guy, in the morning, um, he's my uh, gentle run. He's um, sitting this morning writing a story about Moose the Goose and and um, Goose the Moose. So if you if you can figure that one out, a little tongue tongue twister. That's my that's my son. He's ten, and so that's our family. Um, we are moving in three weeks to be the first residential AG missionaries. In Montreal Canada You're like Canada that's not a mission field that's where people in Minnesota actually go fishing you know people come here to go fishing we go to Canada to go fishing anybody done it no I yes yeah you've done it I've done it okay we go up there because it is actually fishing up there like it's not fishing it's catching because you just put it in the water and even a guy like me can catch up there at the right time of year okay but that's not what we discovered You see, we went to Montreal. It's an urban area of over 4 million people. And fewer than 3% would claim Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Less than 1% would maybe attend a church on Sunday morning. It's the most unreached area in the Western world, in the Northern Hemisphere. And yet, we have an opportunity to engage. Why? Because I actually grew up, before I got on that plane and flew to Minnesota, my parents were and still are missionaries in Europe, and so I learned French, and so we'll land day one, and we won't have to learn French. Tanya's got some French from childhood. she we have to catch up a little bit. But uh, we'll, we're gonna be ministering in Montreal, Canada. So that's kind of the uh, background. We served in Sudan, Kenya, and Tanzania, church planting, working on university campuses, working among Muslims, and we're gonna be doing a lot of that. Um, training and coaching. We spent three years at North Central's Missionary and Residence. Had Emily in class. The year she broke her back, that was really traumatic or her neck, that was traumatic for her. So I'm sure she doesn't remember anything about my class, but uh, that's okay. So any questions before I continue, real quick? Does anybody have any questions for me? Carrie? I'd like to hear about the miracle of finding your house. Okay. Well, um, so... We have some unique challenges. we need a wheelchair accessible home, and so that um, for we have been looking for seven months for housing in Montreal, and we were like, "Lord, is this ever going to happen and so um about a week ago on Monday, my wife said, Charles, you need to fast and pray. I don't, you know, what she didn't say I need to fast and pray. Gary, I don't know if your wife has that spiritual insight for you. I mean, guys, it's amazing how your wives know how to guide yours. But anyway, long story. She said, honey, you need to fast and pray. And I said, okay, so I'm going to fast and pray. So I just quit eating on Monday and began to fast and pray. Sometimes answers take a while. And then we also sent out a newsletter. In, uh, we have an email newsletter that goes out once every couple months or so. And we asked everyone on our email newsletter to pray with us. That day, Tanya has a house pop up on a website that we've been looking for. She calls. Normally, people the lady called right back. Within moments, we were on a Zoom or some sort of, what was it? It was WhatsApp we're on a phone call. She walked us through the house. We said, we need the house. It took till yesterday to get the deal actually done. But so I didn't quit fasting <laughs> till we signed the lease. I'm like, nope. you know, sometimes I think we quit too soon. The Lord begins to answer. And we were three days into this. Yes, you've got the house. And then a hiccup happened. And so sometimes we quit right on the other side of the Jordan, if you want to use a Bible metaphor. We quit right before God has. And if God calls you to do something, push all the way through until it's cemented in the spirit. And so we got this house. Um, we'll, have, uh, we'll have time to get some ramps built before we actually go up there. And so this just, it's a God thing. It's a huge house. We, our prayer was this. Our bold prayer was, Lord, give us everything we need and a few things that we want. I don't know why. Is that a bad prayer? Do you feel like that's bad? I I like some of the things that I want. So, Lord, everything we need and a few things that we want. This has everything we need and a lot of things that we want. (laughs) So it's a great, we're looking forward to this. It's perfectly located. Um, and you know if you've ever lived down in the cities you know finding housing and then there's different areas that are really expensive so it's really hard to find so we just thank God for his provision and it was just really an answer of, okay if you will seek me and set yourself aside I will move on your behalf so probably should have done that seven months ago right honey (laughs) but we walked through that other questions for me Do we have a church that we'll be going to, or will we be planting a church? Our role is shifting, so we th- there is a church that will probably attend. We don't really, we have contacts. We'll be working with the district-level leadership. Um, our role in Canada, for years I've been a church planter, I've been, worked on university campuses, and I've worked with immigrants, or, or Muslims, okay? So when we went up to Canada there are some church leaders there and they have a huge vision but part of what they want to do is train pastors reach university campuses and reach out into the immigrant population one-third of Montreal is visually non-white immigrant and so we're gonna be working directly with the district primarily to begin with in their mentoring of pastors one of the things they did is they talked to all the pastors and they said the biggest thing they found was that pastors felt alone they didn't feel supported in ministry and so we feel like our ministry has always been one of encouraging and supporting pastors. And so that's going to be the first thing. The second thing is there are the 50 most unreached college campuses in the northern hemisphere, 37 of them are in French-speaking Canada. So there's a huge need on the university campuses, and so we're gonna be working with training and developing workers for those campuses. And then we're also gonna be coming along, there are thousands, literally tens of thousands, up to a million immigrants in that area Ripe for the gospel. And so we're planting, they are planting churches. But because I've worked in Africa, I can come alongside the Africans. I speak Swahili, so kale kakuku kako kaka kale kakuku kadogo kaka kako wapi kaka, which just simply means, hey, where's your little chicken, bro, in Swahili? Um, it doesn't mean what it's not Spanish, okay? So, <laughs> but uh, so I, with the Swahili speakers, with the French speakers, those are the main um, dialects in Africa. And those are the main dialects then around the world. So we'll be able to engage in those churches, training, planting, and those kinds of things as well. So that's what we're going to be involved with. So we won't be planting a church ourselves. We'll be empowering churches. And hopefully our dream would be to see those churches grab the vision that we saw in Tanzania. When we we were in Tanzania, we were part of a movement. We planted a church. But um, while we were planting a church, they caught a vision. There was about 2,500 churches after 80 years of the Assemblies of God, they caught a vision. They said, what if everybody planted three churches in 10 years? That would mean we would have 10,000 churches. And so Pastor Gary, they began to pray, and they began to fast, and they began to seek the Lord. And everybody said, I'll do my part. And they planted almost 10,000 churches in 10 years. Everybody's like, it's a miracle. No, it's people getting busy doing the work of the kingdom. So our heart really is to see the church expand. What if 100 churches became 300 churches, became 500 churches, became 1,500 churches? Because there's room for it. We need it. So I hope that answers your question. Other questions, real quick. Anybody? Okay. Yes, ma'am. What is your biggest prayer request right now? that you have a house, What is it? prayer request. I think our biggest prayer request is the kids. Change is always very difficult for kids. Um, And so schooling, it'll be a multilingual situation, and that'll be new for them. Uh, Joshua's going into his junior year. Their educational system is a little bit different up there. So our big prayer request is, Lord, help us to help our kids do well through this. You know, they're leaving their friends. They're leaving their life again, and when we were little, they moved a lot. The last few years, we've been pretty stable. And so for them to move again is a big challenge that, you know, God is asking them to do, and God has a plan for their lives. But if you would pray for our kids, they are, they're sacrificing. And there's no, you know, there's no way around that to say, hey, we want you to give up all your friends and go with us to tell people about Jesus. So that's, that's a big one for us. If you just pray for our, for our kids, pray that they would find friends, and pray that they would find a good school system to continue their education. That's the biggest prayer request that we have. Uh, the second one is we need a good renter for our house. Um, we would sell, but with wheelchair access, we want to be able to have something. It's not the easiest thing to find. So we need somebody to be able to rent our ho- our home so that if we, ever, when we come back on furlough, we would have a place that we could come back to if we needed to go there. Okay. Give a chance for one more question. Okay, now I'm going to do something different. Lana, one story. Which one do you like? Which you mentioned one before. I'll, get, I'll give you. What's your favorite story that I tell? The gorilla story. Okay, so if you've been to Africa, you've got to have an animal story, right? Okay, so 2003, I'm teaching in the Bible school in Rwanda. Was it 2003, honey? It was. Yeah. We're teaching in the Bible school in Rwanda, and they said, hey, the great silverback gorillas are here. Would you like to go see them? I'm like, yes! Tanya's like, no! <laughs> Because she knows what happens when I get around elephants. You know, we got charged by elephants. The first time I went diving, we got circled by sharks. She knows that when I go somewhere, stuff tends to happen. So I get up early one morning, drive a couple hours away, and listen, most of Africa that I lived in is very different than what you perceive. We had five cell phone networks. I got six gig of Internet for eight bucks six years ago in Tanzania. I mean, it was just on my cell phone. So it was a different world than the urban areas. You know, we would the movies that launched here, sometimes they would launch a week before in our city. We met in a movie theater when we planted our church called The Ocean. Different than what most people think of, of Africa. But this day, this was exactly what you'd think of. Drove to a dormant volcano in a series of dormant volcanoes, took a machete, and began hiking over a mountain to find these silverback gorillas. Now, to protect them from poachers... They actually have people living out in the mountains, and they literally follow the the gorillas around. And so each family has a dominant male, a lieutenant, and then small little ones. And it took us about uh, two hours of hiking, hiked through the woods, over the forest. I mean, there's mist floating around. He's literally hacking through the jungle with a machete. And we come up over a clearing, and all of a sudden they're there. We found this family of 13 silverback gorillas. The father is the dominant male. He's about five foot three and he weighs 650 pounds. He's huge. I went back, and I actually have video to prove this story because <laughs> most people are like, Charles, this can't be true. I have video. I, the first time I watched the video, I hadn't watched it for like seven or eight years, Gary. I scared myself. I'm like, oh, wow, that guy was really big. <laughs> I mean, he's big. So we're looking down at the hill, but guess what? I paid a chunk of money to go on this uh, excursion. They're sleeping. I paid 250 bucks to watch gorillas sleep. I, I, yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is a waste of money. And so our guide, you can tell that he's feeling our frustration because it's like from here to maybe the chairs in the foyer to the gorillas. And we can't really see anything because they're sleeping, and so you know a couple of the little ones are moving around. That's cute, but you know little ones. It's like okay, it's cute, but I came here to see the big guy. So our guide says, "Okay, come on, come on. Now you're not normally allowed within 30 feet of them, but we walk down into the thicket with the gorillas, and so we're here. They're right over to my left, so we're looking this way, and sleeping. And he starts counting. Well, there's that one, that one, that one, that one. That, that. Where's the lieutenant? He's missing. The lieutenant is only 450 pounds. And all of a sudden, we hear rustling over here. off to my, And sure enough, this lieutenant, saw, was, he was standing guard. And he came, and he sat from me to you, sir, plopped down, and just looked at us like, What do you think you're doing? And he literally stared us down for about eight minutes. Now, I don't know about you. Eight minutes is not long when you're watching a TV show. When you're in the wild staring at a 450-pound gorilla and your heart is going, <laughs> eight minutes is an eternity. I mean, I had hair before then. Now look at me now. I, not really. <laughs> That's probably where it started. Okay, I was I and I'm like, you know, guys all act tough. I was scared out of my mind. I mean, I was freaked out. It was gonna get better. Okay, so this gorilla finally he kind of goes and he moves over into the thicket. Our guard or the guide's like, come on guys, out. And we're like, yeah, sure, okay. So we got out and we went back up the hill and we turn around to look, to see what's happening. And he woke the big guy up. And so I'm videotaping this, and the big guy kind of looks around. And all of a sudden, he takes one, he's got one arm on the ground, he takes one chest. No, he stood up, boom, 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 grabs a tree, and here he comes right at me. <laughs> I, as fast as he can go, I have video to prove this. I am not making this up. <laughs> he covers that 40 yard faster than a linebacker. And so what do I do? I jumped and screamed. <laughs> I jumped back. The video goes up in the air. I knocked everybody, because there's like 13 dominoes. So there was a whole crowd of tourists, okay, that so knocked us all over. We all went down in a pile, and he ran right where I had been standing three seconds before. It was unbelievable. Our guard reaches out, and he says, hold on. He's just telling the family to move. And sure enough, the entire family of gorillas walked out of the thicket, and walked right within four feet of where we were standing, including the last one, who was the littlest one, probably about the size of this little man right here, and he walked up on all fours to me. He looked at me, he goes,
1: rrr, rrr, and then walked up the hill.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> can, I make, can I make a little spiritual application to that? Sometimes we don't understand what's happening. We think we're being attacked when God's just moving the family. There's something that God wants to do, and he sees things that we don't see, and he's just moving the family to a different place. And I think in this COVID thing that's all happening, like, Lord, we're being attacked, and we're on the ground and all this kind of stuff, and he just says, just hang on. We're moving the family to a different place. I got a different place for you to be. And so that's the gorilla story. Thank you, Alana, for that. <laughs> okay, this morning I'd like to share two different scriptures because it is Sunday and we should probably jump into the scripture a little bit. Just first of all, my favorite book in the Bible is Philippians. Why? Because Philippians is what I call a happy love letter. It's a love letter from a missionary to a supporting church. That's what it is. And I want you to listen to the love that is in the way of that Paul speaks. Paul and Timothy, services of Jesus Christ, to all the, verse, chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Cross Lake with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my prayers for you, always in every prayer of mine for you, making my prayers with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. For I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. It's right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For all of you are partakers with me of grace, both in my, both in my imprisonment, defense, and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with all knowledge and discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And now it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. I'm going to go to Colossians chapter 1. But my friends, Jesus never says to us, you will be known because you are right on Facebook. Jesus never says to you, the church will be known by her social justice stance. Jesus never says that the church will be known by her voting stance or her political affiliation. Jesus says, and you will be known by your love. And particularly by your love for one another. It is amazing in this season, how division has come in, not just in our community, but in the church, even over this issue of wearing masks. And a friend called me and said, "What do you think?" I said, "I think there's a law of love." And the question is not right or wrong if political is, but what can we do to love one another? What can I do to love you?" Missions is one of the greatest ways that we show love to one another. We show love to our brothers and sisters in Africa that we'll never meet. We show love to people who have been adopted into the family of God but don't know it yet. Colossians chapter 1, we thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And if this... You've heard before the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you is indeed the whole world is bearing fruit and increasing. Listen, around the world, the gospel is going forward. You sent us out. We went to Tanzania. We planted a church called the Ocean. People there were part of small groups called exponential groups. One of them got a job transfer to Afghanistan. You know what they did? They started a small group in Afghanistan. Do not believe that the gospel is not going forward. The stories that we can't tell publicly about places that we see on the news media and it's all bombs and horrible and they hate America. You know what? The gospel is there and people are learning to love Jesus and some of your brothers and sisters in Christ are sharing the gospel at great personal cost. And then... um, And so, verse 5, Paul says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and spiritual wisdom and understanding, to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing, bearing, here you go again, bearing fruit in every good work. Paul's concerned about fruit, not power. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know what? There's not a Facebook post against that. There's not a media personality that can come out against that. There's no law against such things. Paul says that I'm compelled by love, that love compels us. But I wonder if we have missed the story and made it that being right compels us, that the Constitution compels us, that local politics compels us. Listen, my friends, we need to be involved. We need to stand. I am understanding all that. But our guiding rule needs to be, I love you. I love you. I disagree with you, but I love you. And those two things can exist together. Why do we go to a Muslim country that housed Osama bin Laden in 2001? Because God loves. We lived in Khartoum, the capital. We went 10 hours north into a little village. We were hosted by the chief of police in that village. And he was off at work one day. He would left his 14-year-old daughter in charge of us. Now 14-year-old girls, I've learned it. I have a 12-year-old. And around adults, guess what? They get bored really quick. Because adults, they just want to sit around. And kids want to go play with their friends. And so this little girl, she's, I mean, I only spoke about this much Arabic at the time. She spoke this much English. She says, Mr. Charles, me go play friend. Yeah, get out of here. So she goes around the corner, and we started talking, four of us sitting in a room. When was the last time you talked with your friends about Jesus, about the wonderful things he's done in your life, revisiting the memories The memories in my life of when Tanya and I first got married we moved to Texas, we had no money in the bank. We had a $78 bill come due, and we were going to run late on this bill, and we had no money. And so we just put our hands on the checkbook, and we began to pray, Lord, you need to provide because we cannot provide for ourselves. And I couldn't find a job, and I got a phone call from a temp agency. I was able to work two days and make $78, pay my tithe, and pay my bill. We begin to tell stories of God's faithfulness throughout the generations of our family. About how, when my parents were mission, uh, pastoring in East Texas, a little bitty place, and we had no food, it was Friday, and Dad got paid on Sundays, and we had no food in the house. We got a, a knock on the door from Sister Stone. I remember Sister Stone, she had two bags of groceries. She said, I was shopping at the Piggly Wiggly. Anybody remember a thing called the Piggly Wiggly? I was shopping at the Piggly Wiggly, and God said, put your cart aside and buy groceries for your pastor. She said, Lord, I'll finish. She said, no, now. So she put her cart, and he said, she said, what do I buy? And the Lord gave her my mom's shopping list. And we began to tell these stories, and from that, Pastor Gary, you'd like this, we just started to worship. Now, I'm not super musical. I play a little guitar, but one of the guys was really musical. We began to pray and worship, and the presence of God began to be real in that room. Ten hours north, no church in the city, no church within an hour, maybe a tiny little immigrant community, but otherwise nothing there, no witness of Jesus among tens of thousands of Muslims. And we began to worship Jesus, and his presence began to be real. And then after a while, these things kind of calm down as they do, and a little 14-year-old popped her head around the corner. You see, she hadn't gone to play with her friends. She'd gone to eavesdrop on the adults, which I'm learning 12-year-olds do as well. <laughs> now, 17-year-olds have amazing ears. And me in the other room, I don't think so. How are you part of this conversation? <laughs> okay? This little girl pops her head around the corner, and there are tears running down her cheeks. She says, Mr. Charles, what words to song? She said, I felt them. I can tell you, what am I singing, Gary? (laughs) But for the first time in her life, because you loved enough to send missionaries, this 14-year-old girl experienced the presence of Jesus in her life. That, my friends... Is what missions is loving enough to p- take the presence of jesus wherever it's needed so when the moment is right people can experience god i'll give you two stories and i'll be done quentin's a friend of mine today he's a pilot runs a pilot training school wasn't always a friend i was pastoring in tanzania i get a phone call from another guy a pilot richard who was attending the church richard said hey could you meet with my friend uh quentin why? Oh, well, he's suicidal, so I think you should talk to him. Great. So the first time, why do they never call you when it's good? Right? They know, hey, Pastor Gary, just letting you know I had a good day today. I mean, I got $20 extra tip. Just letting you know it was good. It's like, no, Pastor, my marriage is about failing. Can you come over? I can't fix it now. Two years ago, I could have when you were just an idiot. Now you're blown up your marriage suicidal. I don't want that call. I'm not trained. And I was having a bad day. Today's my anniversary. I'm having a good day. That wasn't one of them. I was not having a good day. But it's never been about whether or not I'm having a good day. It's about whether Jesus wants to touch people's lives. Hi, would you like to meet? Yeah, I'll meet. So there's a coffee shop around the corner. He comes in. This guy comes in. He's an Australian pilot shaking. What's going on? I just think I should kill myself. OK. He begins to tell a story how he had blown up his first marriage by cheating on his wife, gone through a second marriage. This is his third marriage. And a little girl that he was deeply in love with. And now she was doing to him what he had done to his first wife, kicking him to the corner. I said, Quentin, you're pilot, right? Yeah. He said, um, how's that working out for you? He says, what do you mean? uh, You've been in control of your life. You're about to crash. Maybe you ought to get out of the pilot seat, get in the co-pilot seat, and give Jesus control of your life. And he goes, you know what? I think you're right. And Right there in the coffee shop, he surrendered his life to Jesus Christ. Today he's a friend, growing in the Lord. God's restoring his life. Why? Because somebody loved enough to send a couple from Minnesota to Africa so that the presence of God can be there to say, you know what, if you've messed up your life, maybe Jesus is the answer. My friends, let me circle around this morning. It still is the answer. Circle back to the place, maybe Jesus is the answer in this crazy season. Maybe we need to talk about the Lord. Maybe we need to welcome his presence. I have story after story, but you know what, I'm going to be done because uh, the last thing you want on a Sunday morning is a guy to go way too long. But we would love to stay in touch and tell you more stories. So if you want to get on our email list, do that. I'd love for you to continue to love the world because every time you give to missions through this church or to us, you give to loving the world. And we're committed to continuing to follow the cause of Jesus Christ wherever he leads us. And as in Philippians chapter 1, We are so grateful. This is a privilege. It's not a right. We are so grateful for every person who makes it possible for us to share the gospel together. May God bless you guys.